Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Second of July. The sun is melting roads all over Ireland. The shake-up for the final stages of the All-Ireland Championships is taking shape, but there's just one thing missing. That's the Mayo football team. Hello and welcome to Monday's Second Captain's Podcast. I'm here with Murph. Hi, Murph. Hello there, Owen. All a little bit disappointed. No disrespect to Kildare, who won their battle on and off the pitch mm-hmm. over the course of the week. It just seems cruel that Mayo, the team that's given us all such great entertainment over the last few years, will not be one of the eight counties lining out to contest this new group format in the quarterfinals. Although I must say... I find some of the analysis around their exit a little bit odd. Okay. Well, there seems to be this feeling held by many that Mayo haven't got enough respect mm. for what they've done over the last few years. That their achievements in making four of the last six at Ireland finals and playing their part in all these sort of epic matches up and down the country isn't really appreciated nationwide. I would have thought that it absolutely is and that they've had a ton of positive stuff written about them. In fact, my friend, I almost suggest there's a feeling here in the capital, mm-hmm. that maybe they get too much respect yes. and attention. Yes, Owen. Considering they never landed the big one. In the uh, the four uh, districts covered by uh, Dunleary Rattan, <laughs> Fingal. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Basically, people in Dublin and Kerry can't really understand why the hell we keep shiting on about the Mayo footballers when they haven't even bloody well won one on Ireland. The story I mean, I, of the not decade. Not to be too blunt, but you're a loser. The GAA story of the decade is what I've heard yeah. described as over the now, last Now, it happens hours. to be, unfortunately, the GAA story of the decade. For those people making that argument, this is an inconvenient truth. Uh, and I, uh, who was it? John Fogarty of the Irish Examiner uh, tweeted something on Saturday evening. No doubt about it. Dublin, the team of the decade. But Mayo... Dublin, one of the greatest teams we've ever seen or something like that. But Mayo, the story, the GA story of the, of the decade. To which a ton of Dublin people immediately hopped on to say, what are you talking about? Dublin are a much better team than Mayo. Which, <laughs> oh, I forget I mean, about you that. try and qualify something in a tweet, it's still, it's still going to come back and be thrown. Okay, this, but. but are they really the story of the decade? Can we wait till the end of the decade? If the All-Ireland pans out as... A lot of people think it might over the next two years. Mm-hmm. If Dublin do hold off Kerry, if Mayo don't come back next year, if Donegal aren't quite as good as they're cracked up to be, Dublin could end up being the only county in the history of the sport to win five All-Irelands in a row by the end of this decade. So maybe let's just hold tight. I don't know what that's the obsession scumbag. is. I don't know what the obsession is. Hey, <laughs> we're scumbag. judging teams in, in, in by decades, as mm-hmm. happens in the GA more than any other sport. But if we're going to do it, Let's just wait till the end because there's still something to go. Uh, forget about best, but best story even. There's still yeah. some well, something to run in that. Yeah, I think um, I think if Dublin win a five in a row, and that's a, a horse of a different color. But the point is still well made, though. I mean, you know narrative structure, on you've worked as a researcher and as a producer and as a presenter of sports radio shows and now podcasts for a long, uh, Owen, long. Oh, I like you. I like your style. Exactly. We all like your style, on. <laughs> but you know that if I came to, uh, you know, a team meeting over the course of my long researching career and I said, let's talk about this baseball team that have won three All-Irelands in a row and they have all the best players and the most money and the biggest stadium. Uh, and hey, they might win five in a row. That's a good story, isn't it? I mean, it's not a bad story. I mean, it's a pretty interesting story. But if I came to you with a baseball team 
whose team has been cursed by a priest <laughs> from 70 years ago, uh, which ensures that until all of the players who he cursed die. I will baptize you. I mean, I think it is kind of, it is a different story. Only if that baseball, cursed baseball team goes and wins it at the end. Yeah, and if the, the curse has been structure. completely... Yeah. But no, in fairness, Dublin, how many, three of those four alarm finals I mentioned were against Dublin. There are other teams in these great matches that Mayo have played. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like Dublin have played their part in a lot of those All Ireland finals. So just because there there's been a relentlessness to Dublin's success leading up to those games, there've been a few of these amazing matches, and I think it's kind of like, oh, Dublin won, but yet again the story is Mayo. Yeah. Well, listen, sticking up for me, my fellow Dubs here. I know. Seems I know. to be going crazy on Twitter. No. The only people annoyed by this conversation are Kerry people who aren't uh, happy yeah. to look into. It's it's obviously either Mayo or Dublin. Yeah. No, like. Obviously, Dublin are a very fine team and they're getting their just desserts. Just desserts. Teams not getting their just desserts, maybe, is perhaps a little more interesting than, you know, well done. You're the best team in the country and we have anointed you the best team in the country. You know, it's... I'll come back to you after the five in a row. <laughs> Says <laughs> arrogant Dublin fan. Please do, Odd. Please do, Odd. At Odd. least Odd one high-profile pundit saw this Mayo defeat coming. I, I, I think the end is coming. I, I actually think Kildare will beat them. I do believe that that may have just I think they just run out of steam hmm. and he was just right he was just about right Oshin is on the way in <laughs> is everybody ready for another GA venue controversy yeah hit no me up, hit me up on <laughs> I mean it, it did wonders it did great numbers last week for the GA well you're going to have so to why not? explain to me Murph why the Leinster hurling final replay between Galway and Kenny next week is going to be taking place in Munster totally different province <laughs> Well, you mind you, I don't know what are Galway doing in the lens. Listen, uh, yeah. there's a lot to explain here. You know, the provinces thing, it, it is a little bit of a thorny issue. I mean, Munster is fine. You know, we, we have a pretty good handle on what's going on down in Munster in that all of the Munster counties are taking part in the Munster Championship, apart from Kerry. But listen, let's not get into it. The Leinster Championship is really the championship of all the counties that aren't in Munster. So once you take that on board and you accept that as part of the the raison d'etre of the Leinster Championship, then I think it's easier to understand why a Connacht team are playing a Leinster team in a Munster venue for the Leinster final. It's in Thurles. But it's in Thurles because um, Michael Buble uh, is uh, 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 performing at Crow Park okay. over the weekend. Um, and as a result, the game has had to be moved. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, Brian Cody made a joke yesterday. Um, Go on. Brian Cody made a joke. First of all, is you, I, so I had to give you five or ten seconds just to de- deal with that before I gave you the joke. Uh, they move on to Thurlis, writes Malachy Clarkin in the Irish Times today, uh, leading Brian Cody into the largely uncharted territory of quippery. Who's taking part in that concert? He inquired. Taking part in a concert? <laughs> it's Michael Buble. Oh, he played special junior in his time out here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What that needed was Conor McGregor's maniacal laughter. But listen, you know, I can only imagine these journalists have literally asked Brian Cody the same five questions. Awfully really put it up to you, Brian, didn't they? Uh, (laughs) For the last 20 years. If now at this juncture he's starting to crack some jokes, I actually forgive them if they laughed at that joke. What an unbelievable weekend of the World Cup. Out go superpowers Spain, Portugal and Argentina and our old friends Denmark. And finally, we saw the heroic French flair that Ken was demanding last week. You know, the French were like, Flair, Flair, you know, Eric Cantona, uh, Michel Platini, TSS, yeah, you know, just, just like, like yeah. tearing off their shirts and saying, shoot, you know, just exposing their, their naked breasts to the cannon fire. Wow, wow. <laughs> On today's World Cup podcast, we caught Ken upon his arrival at Samara Airport in the southeast of Russia, I believe, an arrival that was delayed by Mexican fans taking ages to fit their sombreros into the overhead luggage compartments. I kid you not, Ken was getting annoyed because the other Mexican fans weren't getting annoyed at the couple of Mexican fans who were taking ages trying to fit their sombreros up without damaging them. Listen, you've got to protect your sombrero, you know? Yeah, they, those, oh, me, those fellow Mexican fans, they got it in a way that Ken never could. To hear Ken's report from Brazil versus Mexico tomorrow and our England-Colombia coverage, you'll need to be signed up to the World Service. You can sign up for just one month if you want, if you want to become a member until the end of July and then take it from there. Secondcaptains.com is a place to do it and it only costs five or a month. It's the end of the road, at least for this year, for this Mayo football team. And who could have predicted it? Absolutely nobody that I can think of. I can't think of a single song. <laughs> <laughs> Oshie McConnell, how you doing? <laughs> oh, <that's cool. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we should say you're not coming bouncing in here 
to dance on Mayo's grave. It's just you got a prediction. You got a big prediction, right? You went out in a limb. Yeah. It's your punditry career at stake. And anybody who's listening out there, that's two in ten years. <laughs> We're all keeping score. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is. It's easy to say it in, in uh, the aftermath that the writing was on the wall and that it was going to happen. But I have to say, as I was watching it on Saturday night, I fully expected Mayo to win that game. Yeah, because it fitted into exactly the sort of format that um, you would think for a Mayo game. Mayo, it was completely helter-skelter. Uh, players were playing everywhere. There was no such thing as positions, certainly from a Mayo point of view. And you expect Mayo, in those circumstances, and that craziness that they love, you expect them to you know, eke out a, a two- or three-point win and trudge on to the next round. Uh, just Kildare just had more structure than 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 uh, the Mayo had much more structure. Keeper, full back, and two wing half uh, with two wing half back positions. They played that perfectly. No such thing as um, anybody passing in those two in those two wing half back positions. And I thought the, uh, just structurally, I just thought Kildare were a lot better than Mayo were, and Mayo. Again, to go back to the point that I've made loads of times, Mayo don't have any structure. Sometimes they revel in that, but towards the end of that game, Kildare, with all the madness that was going on, were able to hold firm in three or four or maybe even five positions. Mm. And uh, because of that, they, they ended up winning the game. And it's it's a, as much as this as it is to do with the amount of bodies that that Mayo were down, as much as it is to do with the players that they've lost, much to do much as it is to do with the players that uh, they have failed to bring on, uh, much to do with the fact they didn't make a tactical substitution uh, till those twenty six minutes gone in the second half. All of those things, they still haven't been able to find any sort of structure. Um, through the last couple of years that was good enough to, to, to get them over the line. And I know people are going to say to me, but we weren't that far away, and they weren't that far away. But um, Ah, yeah, no, but if you're out if you're out of the championship on July 2nd, after t- it's not like it's your first defeat of the championship. You've, you've lost two winnable yeah. games. So I don't know this year that Mayo can say that they were close. Yeah, no, but I'm saying even over the last number of years. Right, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, But I just think this year exposed a lot of their weaknesses because a lot of their weaknesses tactically because um because if you have that uh, that structure then you can get away with missing one or two um you know that, that don't have as big of uh, an impact as like a Shamey O'Shea or a, or a, or a, or a Parsons but if you have more of a solidity especially defensively then you know you will you will have a chance yeah the the person coming in knows knows the role that he's being the asked role, to fill exactly. as opposed to be Shamie O'Shea or exactly. be Tom Parsons, which is what effectively they're being asked to do. Yeah, exactly. It's just like they're they're filling a position rather than a pair of shoes or a pair of boots, you know. Yeah. And that's uh, that's something that Mayo really have failed to do. And even just coming towards the end of that game, again, let's go back to Limerick uh, a couple of years ago when there was when James Horne was over and there was a complete pandemonium on the sideline with uh, Aidan O'Shea and Killian O'Connor who got, who'd both gone off at, I think with head injuries maybe at that yeah, stage yeah, but yeah. even just the sideline do yeah. you remember we talked about that yeah, yeah, it was yeah. even just the sideline was a bit of a it was a bit uh, a bit of a mess and then uh, just uh, again at the weekend not to be overcritical, but just to say, you know, if you were going to take that Mayo team, then you put a few things in place that could help them not be as I don't even know. It is like it's like helter skelter. I don't know what the exact word. They, they get frazzled, sort of. Is that? Yeah, a little bit. It's not, it's not even so much that. I think. I think more. It's just that that's they're the terms that they want to play on. Like yeah. they want to play, uh, you know, as close to physical exhaustion as we can get, we're going to bring you to there as well and just see what happens. You know, I think you're like your old, old playing colleague Aidan O'Rourke was writing on the RT website today, another really good column of his, and basically talking about, about that, that there's no end to these Mayo lads. Like, if you watch Jeremy O'Connor at the end of the game, there's the free that Andy Moore tried yeah. to loft in when Aidan O'Shea got sent off for his second bookable offence. Like, the, Jeremy O'Connor got the, won the free having run 140 yards, I think. Uh, Collapsed in a heap, cramping both of his legs, and then as he he sees Andy Moore and has to take the free quickly, so what he tries to he tries to like 
like roll himself off the roll field. himself off the field so to give his teammates uh, like a chance to win the game and you're watching it going like my god like would that I ever care about <laughs> anything as much as Jeremy O'Connor cares about the Mayo football well, team right I, now. If I once cramped in both legs at the same time after about 50 minutes of a 90 minute football match. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, you know, we all have passion for it. It's quite embarrassing. You were doing goals out there, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, you, know you, you watch them play the game and you watch them put absolutely everything into it and what, you, what you're saying is right. It's like, effort is not the problem. Physical no. ability is not the problem. It's actually just... Try and channel it. Try and give yourself a chance to win the game without having to, you know, go to... They need to be facilitated a little bit more in what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? That 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 the next time they find themselves in that position that it it works out slightly different in that there is some sort of structure or there's a change, you know, from the sailing or there's, you know, just but, some but, but, sort but you're saying that for, you're saying Horn didn't quite have that. You're saying the next management team, I assume, didn't quite have that. You're saying this management team didn't quite have that. Does it come down to the players at some point? But um, it, Absolutely, because, you know, we, I could be sitting here saying this and there could have been something in place and the players just mightn't have been able to, you know, to uh, implement it. Yeah. But... It just seems that you know that there's only there they only play in fifth gear. You know that there is no sort of yeah. cruising speed that they can operate at that puts teams to bed. And no. like you know, like whether that's like you know an option in the full forward line that is a big man. You know yeah. that just instead of asking Paddy Yurkin to do what he did on Saturday, which is like superhuman, effectively kicking four points from wing back. But also just like non-stop, Jeremy O'Connor, non-stop, just unbelievable displays. Like, the game isn't that hard. You know, it's obviously hard at the top level, but Mayo tend to make it harder for themselves. Even even more for just w- one person in there, just give a little bit prote- of protection to that full back line. Yeah. You know, it's a very difficult place to be. It's a very difficult position to play in that full back line if you're, if you're a Mayo footballer. And they just need a little bit more protection. You know, and there was players at different times who were trying to offer that, but that's what I'm saying. You know, it's it's if you're there, help them out, but there's no plan for somebody to be there. I don't really know any other any other uh, Gaelic football team that's going to play from now to the start of September who don't really have that, and uh, because of that, they just keep suffering and and uh, like the people say, oh, that'll finish Mayo. Won't. They'll be back next year, and they'll be, as Morph says, like one of the stats was right. One of the stats from from last year um, was Damon O'Connor running sixteen kilometers. Okay, so have a think about that. Try and work it out. Virtually impossible. Okay, virtually impossible. But haven't seen him on on Saturday night. Now, that's when you want to see GP uh, the GPS. You know what I mean? Like the to have access to them. For us, as support, as yeah. you know, people who are watching, that sounds be, like a that sounds like a huge. That's faster than most of the players run in the World Cup. Oh, sorry, not faster. That's more kilometers than they run in a ninety-minute game. Uh, yeah, you know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I do do a little bit of running with a guy who would be fairly up in this stuff, and he said he told me there's absolutely zero chance that he would have run sixteen kilometers. So uh, that that is a myth, right? Um, but. Haven't as I say, I haven't You're, said that. Whatever about in whatever <laughs> about that game last year, sixteen kilometers seems outlandish to anyone except those of us who were watching the game on Saturday night. <laughs> in which well, case, but if you if you break it down, it's something like two hundred. It's like yeah, two you're not getting up to those. It's two hundred meters every whatever. Yeah, so, no, I think the sixteen not kilometers, in minutes. fairness, may have been one of the games that went extra time. The court game, maybe last year, but either way, like Stephen Rochford, who you have been critical of in the past and critical today. He might end his time. If he goes, I mean, there's no guarantee he is signed. He's, he's due to stay on for another year at least. He might end his time with no Ireland title, no league title, no Connacht title even. Yeah. And like that's, you know, you can you, obviously the two Ireland final displays, drawing one, losing one, losing two by a point. I mean, they have to count for something, but at the same time, that's cold comfort this morning. Yeah, and while while yeah, being critical of him, and, and I, I suppose in, in 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 a sense, you know, me me old buddies uh, in the backroom team there as well, and probably, um, in a sense, probably being critical then of 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 him, but still not knowing what's gone on inside the 
the four walls and that maybe there was a plan and then maybe they just are incapable of carrying it out but um you'd ha- like you'd have to be critical that they that they have still found the um you talk about identity Muff. I think you mentioned about their identity their identity is exactly what way the game went the other night they have been like as far as entertainment value they give you they give you that every every single day it's just for themselves if there was a little bit more structure to it then maybe we wouldn't be just talking about them as from entertainment value but actually you know somebody facilitating and getting them over the line what about Kildare there was obviously a very specific set of circumstances around the game at the weekend they are drawn against Fermanagh now and then in the qualifiers if they get through that they're in the group with Galway Kerry and Leash or Monaghan so not e- obviously neither of those groups are going to be easy but are, you, are Kildare the team we saw on Saturday or the team we saw for most of the year up until Saturday? Well, one of the reasons why I liked Kildare for the Super 8s was because of a draw in Leinster and the fact that they were supposed to be in a, in a Leinster final. Another reason was that I've seen them a couple of times in the league and like they only were beaten you know, by one or two points in a, in a game and you just... like. The, the the day they lost against Tyrone for them was a real defining moment in the season because it was a game that they had three or four chances to win. Um, athletically, um, they're good. They have a nice little bit of power. Uh, they look as if they have found a, a definitive way to play now. And um, they have players who can come off the bench. Even just Let's just take Healy and, and Kelly who come off the bench um, at the weekend, do you know what I mean? The difference that those two players made to them, like I know if that I if I was overkill there in the morning, that Neil Kelly would be one of the first names in the team sheet because of what he offers and how he can lock it, unlock defenses. And do you know what? He the the perfect game for him to play is next weekend against Fermanagh because they'll need somebody with a little bit of trickery and a little bit of uh, something different. Um, but just to have players like that who are able to come off the bench, O'Callaghan even coming off the bench, you know, getting a score as well. So they have plenty to offer, and they have a fairly deep squad. I know there are a lot of the players who are coming on are a little bit same same, but Kelly gives them something different uh, towards the end of the game. Um, last week, you know, I might have been unfair about chatting about Kerry in the way that I did, but from now on, everybody has to be. Um, Everybody has to go up against uh, like the benchmark has to be Dublin. So, are you good enough to beat Dublin? I don't think Kerry are. I don't think Kildare are. But I think Kildare and Kerry on uh, Kildare or a, or a Galway. I think any of those teams can beat each other. I think a Monaghan, you know, throw Tyrone into the mix. So that that's probably what makes it like a Dublin apart. Uh, who who for me are a couple of notches ahead of everybody else. The rest of the teams are all sort of are all teams that can beat each other. What about your own boys, Armagh? Are back within the game now of the Super Eights. Oh jeez, uh, I was going to say enjoyed um, Salah. I didn't enjoy it at all, but uh, I enjoyed the last oh, the last five or six minutes of the game. I had the wee fellow with me, uh, and so they they beat. We should probably explain it because oh, yeah. yeah, not everyone would. So they beat Clare and a bit of a they beat Clare and like they were I think four down with three or four minutes left. Just kick one five uh, to win the game rather comfortably in the end. <laughs> but, You're uh, very comfortable the last 30 seconds of the game. One of the things I noticed, uh, Arma supporters always want to get involved in the game. They always want to be shouting and they always want to get that Arma, Arma, oh. And they just didn't have any opportunity to do that. So in the first half, uh, you know, Arma were kicking wide after wide. Uh, Claire, every time they advance, they look dangerous. They have a couple of very... Malone is a very good player. Tuberty, obviously, inside. There's a wee boy in the corner. Evine Murray or... Courtney. Uh, Courtney, isn't it? Evine. Uh, you can get his, me his name. He's 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 excellent. But uh, So they have lots of good things. So... Um, so the, the Clare goalkeeper come out, took two men, two Arma men out of it, winning the ball. I think he actually ended up getting injured and kicked the ball out over the sideline. So that, so that went. Everybody went. Oh, <laughs> and I thought, Jesus, we are really desperate now to get ourselves into the game. But uh, if you watched uh, Tyrone and Cavan, there was no opportunity to get into that game whatsoever. Um, but just towards the end of the game, um, 
Armagh looked dead and buried, especially when uh, the penalty, the, uh, the rebound went in. And uh, I was sitting there with the wee fella, and there was literally silence. And <laughs> he's only six, and he hasn't been to that many Armagh games, but he's, he, he shouted, Come on, Armagh! And everybody looked at him as much as... It's gone. It's, you know, it's, we'll you're, be, too, you're too late. We'll grind that out of you eventually. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're too late, but uh, eventually. But he said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a McConville. McConville sends himself belief courses through that young boy's But uh, yeah, look, it was a great win, it was a great win for our man. Our man, Briscommon, is, is pretty 50. I think it's a pretty 50 50 game, especially it's the most with our 50 50 of yeah. the games, I think, really. Kildare and Fermanagh is interesting. Yeah. Because. Like there's no way Kildare are going to be up for as much up for the game as they were last week, and they'll soon find that Fermanagh are are a horrible team to play against. All right, Oshin, pretty stuff. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. What I thought was a seat was in fact a bunk, top bunk, coffin shaped. I was like, I do hope they turn the air conditioning on in this train. I'm sweating quite profusely. There was a sort of an old Russian woman in the bunk underneath mine, kind of grabbing at me like to get out of the bed. No, yet, 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 yet. She went to sort of the little service area of the carriage and came back with like a little packet of sheets. Fresh and clean. Yeah. And, oh. So good next to the skin, Alan. So good next to the skin, Alan. I said, oh, spasibo, spasibo, babushka. I tried to take the sheets. She's like, no, no, I have none of it. Started putting the sheets on the bed for me. I was like, trying to help. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was just lying on that sort of sticky, musty mattress thing. But it turns out that they give you like a whole pack of sheets that you can spread out. Fresh and clean. Yeah. And, oh. So good next to the skin, Alan. Left almost all the way to Moscow. So good next to the skin, Alan. What a nice way to pass six hours in train that was. Nice to hear Ken's personal hygiene is being well looked after on his travels through Russia with the help of some kindly old Russian if ladies. If you were leaving it up to himself, well, it wouldn't be quite so well looked after. <laughs> Don't forget to get on board if you haven't signed up already on secondcaptains.com. As for the rest of it, we should have a hell of a week coming up, particularly with the tournament opening up as it has. Got a tweet in from Kieran Allen. After the volley slash half volley debacle, where do you stand on the Suarez Cavani goal being a 1-2? <laughs> I see Murph's eyes glazing over already. Kieran, you'll be glad to know that topic is dealt with in today's World Cup podcast. Murph, you'll be glad to know it's dealt with in a matter of seconds. Yeah. The answer, clearly not a 1-2, as Cavani, uh, Suarez, I should say, had to take a few touches before returning the pass. As far as I'm concerned, it's got to be 1-2. Not 1-2-3-4-5. Bre- the five. soul of wit. One. Michael Dagnan has braved these soaring temperatures to make his way into the studio. Hi, Michael. I'm grand. The sauna, lake conditions are not really, <laughs> not really suit me. But <laughs> I think uh, you're pretty speaking for a lot of the country at this stage, but uh, we probably should be complaining about the weather to kick this match off. Isn't something we have spoken about a little bit. I think you might have been, I'm not sure if you were around the week, we spoke to Malik Lurkin about this, um, the idea that there seems to be a very, very obvious difference now in the type of hurting we're seeing in Munster and Leinster, I think that was pretty crystallised in the final. I mean, 36 points scored in the Leinster final, 58 points between goals and points in the Munster final, which is quite a, a striking difference. Are we seeing that more and more now, that there's a sort of a physicality and, and a aerial ability on display in Leinster, as opposed to this sort of pace and, and open spaces that seem to be uh, on display in Munster? Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, involved in that discussion, but it, yeah, it looks... I think it's maybe been a bit like that always. I think that the the purist in Munster would say the only show in town is Munster Hurling and we would have said it's a different type of Hurling and um, I think Kilkenny, you know, they set the agenda, I suppose, in terms of they're always very strong in the air. Um, you know, you see Parry Colchester who's, you know, by modern standards, he's a small man, mm-hmm. but like just that ability to get up and bravery and timing and everything else. And um, it's probably something that that is a, is a serious weakness if you look at even the good tip team the Cork team like their half ordinance get cleaned out very regularly so they're trying to avoid the long puck out and you know he's even saw so I, th- I think it, it is it is different and but I, but I don't think there's probably that big a difference in terms of the scoring I just thought yesterday was just a particularly low scoring match we were just talking about before we came on there there was a lot of wides early there was a very swirling breeze and you know if you allowed too much it was staying out there with, the, with these light slitters out there, sometimes they stay you hit it, strike it well, it'll stay online. Sometimes you, you allow for the wind and you don't hit it hard enough and then the wind catches and blows it away. So you saw Joe Canning with four or five frees that were well within his range and he, and he hit the mite. So I think there's a bit of both involved, um, but certainly I think the defending is 
Um, I think, you know, Cork and Clare set up, I, that's what I envisaged was a high scoring game. You know, I think everyone did. I wasn't, I had no yeah. crystal ball for that <laughs> one, right? But uh, it was, uh, you know, and that's, the, I think, the freedom and the light to hurl that way because, you know, the, the, it's just have a shootout and whoever does it on the day. And, you know, it looked like Clare were going to run away with Cork came back. So, difference, and you, you don't get that room against Kilkenny or Galway. Cork are great to watch though, aren't they? I mean, it would be, I would, I would thought it'd be nice to see a team like that um, have it in them to win in Ireland. I know you're not totally convinced. I think Murph. Uh, but yeah. It, it, well, no, we're getting closer though to being convinced. I think about Cork. I'm not, and I don't think I'm alone either. In in people putting caveats on what Cork have done, even though it's I think eight games in a row now in the Munster Championship over the course of two years where they're unbeaten. And you have to tip your hat to that, particularly this year when you when you take into account the fact they've played everyone and as, as well as the Munster final, which they go on to win. Well. The longer the championship goes on, the more confused I'm getting. And that's been honest with you. I thought, I thought Galway, I thought Limerick early on, and you know, you see Limerick then had a bad day against Clare. But I think in the system, you're going to have bad days. There's so many matches, and I think that was a big thing yesterday after the game. Brian Cody thought it was extra time, but I think really what he wanted was the match over because yeah. he didn't want another match. Um, like that'll be their sixth championship match. If they lose, you're into a quarterfinal to win in Ireland, then you're going to have to win nine matches or play nine matches. That's without any other draws. So um, uh, I just think. It's it's just getting harder and harder. On different days, certain teams you can make a case for them. And you know, uh, Clare the last against Limerick looked very good, but they look very good at time gesture. But now leadership has been questioned. Cork certainly have a great forward line. Um, you'd still say wide open at the back. Like they still conceded a lot of scores yesterday. Um, so I don't know. If it, it's it's good. they're going to face different challenges. I think. And and what you said at the very start about Munster Leinster when these Munster teams come to play Galway, come to play Kilkenny, and the space is not there, and there's different questions asked. Things aren't going to get any clearer for you. Well, there's, high, well, there's going to be even more confusion. You're, you're going to have, you're, and you're going to have a lot of high ball going into these full back lines, and you're going to have your your Conor Cooney, who was quite yesterday, and, and your Joe Cannings and Johnny Glynn's and all these big men around the place, and and the same same with Kilkenny with Walter Walsh and T.J. who composed different questions around the square. So, um, no, I'm not, I'm not clearer, and I, I'm still in the Galway camp. I just thought they were off the boil yesterday for whatever reason. Uh, maybe took Kilkenny a little bit for granted, which is an unusual thing to say about about. Kilkenny and Galway. Yeah. Um, going back to Cork for a second, John Myler uh, deserves a lot of credit, I would say. You know, give, given the fact that when he came in, there were a, a lot of eyebrows raised. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people would have just said, God, this is the sort of thing Cork do. You know, they went back to kind of an old school manager in the aftermath of Donald O'Grady and John Allen, and that it was seen that maybe the game had kind of passed him by. So what he's done in uh, in the couple of months since he's taken over from Kieran Kingston, yeah, you have to hold your hands up and say he's done a brilliant job with them. Yeah, he is. Uh, if you know John Myler, uh, I don't know him particularly well, but he has a massive interest. You know, and I, I love to see people like himself involved. He's been involved all his life in all over the place. You know, and um, I think certainly, you know, players, modern players are different. Like I think in the in the old days, whoever was manager was manager, and but it does make a difference. And you have to treat them. And Kieran Kingston, I say, had a very good relationship with the players. Um, you know. And then there's a change, and then there was a you could sense it uh, that the players were sort of asking questions themselves, and it took a little while, but you know he certainly and I think we said this some weeks ago the, the defense seems to be meaner now they looked open yesterday, but they made the changes that were necessary. Like Joyce went to six, and Spillane went on to Conlon, who was running right. They made the changes, they worked, but they're still playing with that freedom. Like as you say, I love watching them, and just their forward line. Like I think Patrick Horgan, who we talk about all the time, but to me. There's a, there seems to be some sort of question marks asked at times. Maybe it started in Cork years ago. There was a little bit of a doubt about him. Was he this or was he that? He is, to me, one of the best forwards I've seen playing the game. Um, particularly in the last... One, one of the best you've ever seen? One of the best, I think, he's one of the best I've seen, yeah. yeah. He's up there because it's just, there was something about him that he didn't, that he wasn't trusted or something by the Cork crowd. I don't know. There was just that little inkling and it was only freeze and like this. But if you look at his performances over the last few years, particularly when Cork haven't been Okay, they were they were there thereabouts one monster last year, but but since thirteen, I think he's been unbelievably consistent, and his ability, his footwork, his his ability to make space for himself, his striking is just unbelievable. He, he hit one over the over his shoulder yesterday, and it was just so effortless. Like it's exactly what you love to see from a sports person. It's a really hard skill to execute, and he, he may as well have been doing it in training. Well, he makes it look, and that's exactly he makes it look so easy. You know, you have you have Seamus Harry, who's a great leader, and they met, gave him the captaincy, and I think that's a big thing because he is. He is the leader, and he has been the leader. But um, I see a change in him as well. His his vision as well. Seen for the first goal, he's still, you know, he he was always a great player. But I I just see him bringing other players into the game, and when they needed, like they were in big trouble. He caught that puck out. He set up that goal. 
that was probably the most important thing he did in the game. He scored one four after mm-hmm. one five, whatever it was. But to me, there's your leader, there's your captain. When they were gone, like they were eight points down, you know, okay, maybe they weren't gone because eight, eight, eight points is dangerous. Lead. Lead, yeah, yeah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but but uh, um, but I think you know, and and Shane Kingston coming of age more, he was under a lot of pressure with his father there. Like I saw him as a minor, and I probably said it here in with you before. He was unbelievable as a seventeen year old, and then he broke his leg, and and uh, he had. Injury. Then he was back, and people were asking questions about oh, your father, and he lost a bit of confidence because of that. You know, that's hard for anyone. I think maybe one of the reasons Kieran stepped away, yeah, uh, was to let Shane may- maybe be, you know, have his career with Cork without having that hanging over him. And you can see the difference in him as well. And uh, Dara Fitzgibbon, what a player! Like, and it shows you, like, you don't have to be a giant of a man. Like, you know, he's a slight guy, Mark Coleman, but they have brilliant touch and brilliant hurling. And and I'd be like you. I'd love to see. You know, that's my type of hurling. And you know, we like we like to see teams. And fairness to Gavin Kilkenny, it was a different game, but they played man on man. And I think tactically, Kilkenny got got a lot of the matchups right there as well. Yeah, the we were talking about caveats with Cork, and maybe the the only caveat that's left is just how badly they were opened up in the first half, and that idea that. Uh, you know, restructuring on the hoof is great. You know, and it is, like you tip the hat to to John Myler who made the changes and made it work. But at the same time, you know what what are they going to start with in the Ireland semi final? Were the changes that he made yesterday sort of game specific, or are they getting any closer to actually knowing the six backs and where they want to play them, regardless of who they're up against? Like that's still the big the big question, really, isn't it? It is, and uh, you know, I think Owen Cadigan coming back is because Owen's been around for a while. I thought he was gone practically as a hurler, and he was he was outstanding. Now you know he brings that physical edge and that fitness. Mm. Um, I don't I agree. I don't think they probably do. I think they're going to have to start. You know, they'll probably go back and say, "I will start with Catalan at three again, and we'll do this." And but I think that's the game now. You know, you have to make changes as they happen. You're going to have to your twenty man squad is very important. We saw that. We see it over and over and over again, and. I'd still say, you know, if you go back to last year, like there was nothing with them, between them and Waterford and then the sending off obviously changed the game. So they're very, very close um, and they're going to concede scores because they aren't, you know, they're not, I suppose, without some weakness in the back line. But who isn't in the modern game? It's very, very difficult with the pace of forwards now, with the way the game is played. And if you play with six, six on six and you don't drop someone back, you're going to be exposed at time one-on-one. That's what hurling is about. And it's about defending. And, you know, we didn't see any real cynicism in that game. There wasn't that much fouling. We saw a lot more in the Kilkenny Galway game. So, you know, a, a bit of a difference there. But, you know, they have a lot of good players and they won't be far away on a day and it's going to be exciting whenever they play. You uttered a sentence earlier on, Michael, that I don't think you ever expected to. You said that Galway were maybe a little bit complacent coming in against Kilkenny. <laughs> and interestingly on that, I also never thought I'd hear a pre-match interview like this one. David Burke, Galway captain, said, I think Kilkenny were a monkey on the back for every team in the country for a long time. I think they drove everyone in the, in, in the country mad. They were kind of this unbeatable team. But I think we changed that in 12 and made them look like their good team is coming to a bit of an end. They still fear us in a way. I think anyway, they still fear playing Galway. I read it. I read the whole article to, to, because I made a mistake last year quoting Owen Kelly and he gave out to me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from a headline and he said he asked me to read the article and I, when I hung him out to dry with the tip public so I have to apologise to Owen again. Yeah. But... um. Uh, David Burke was very respectful to Kilkenny when you read the whole article. But uh, I'm, I'm playing the Michael Dignan role from last year. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, but, but he, he, he actually was hugely respectful to, to Kilkenny. Yeah. But, but he did. But interesting. Well, look, you have to have that psyche that, you know, we think. But I thought it was a strange week to come out. And it changed in 12. Well, they got hammered in a replay, you know, as well. And I thought it could have been the end of God. It took them a few years to recover um, out of that. So, look. He probably, like all these interviews, he wished he probably hadn't given it, I'd say, at, the, at this stage. because, But I don't think it really came back to bite him that much yesterday. I just think, I think the Galway players genuinely think that they are better. And I think they are better than Kilkenny at the moment. But Kilkenny are still Kilkenny. And I, I don't know if you saw the under-21 match between Kilkenny and Galway at the semi-final. Yeah. I yeah. was at it last week in Tullamore. And Galway were probably 10 or 12 points a better team. And still Kilkenny could have won it. Like They hit the post late on and they came back at them. And Kilkenny have... To get inside your head, even when you're ahead, you think they're going to come back at you, and everybody does. And there were three points down yesterday, and I think I said in the commentary, uh, you know, I, they got next to him, John Donnelly catches a pucker, an unbelievable score. Richie Hogan gets the ball in that sort of pressurised situation and switches a 50-yard pass across the end of Marcy. He pops it over, and then TJ, to have the presence of mind. So, like, there were three scores from the very top drawer when they were really needed, and that's what they can do. They, they, they kind of cool... They, they, I don't know the ice sort of runs through their veins in pressurised situations and I don't think any other team 
would have got those three points actually like that. So that's what makes Kilkenny different. But there, but at the same time, you can't fear them. And so it's that balance, respect, but not fear. And I think Galway will have learned more out of yesterday. I think you'll see a different Galway next week. Yeah, and I think as well that you would have seen something completely out of the ordinary from Kilkenny if that comment from David Burke had had any real impact. I think Kilkenny came you know, pretty close to to performing to what you can expect a team to perform, you know, give, taking into account a few individuals will play poorly in a provincial final. But Galway were very, very sloppy. Um, and I think that it was all down to Galway's mistakes more so than anything that Kilkenny had that they kind of threw, threw it away. I mean, if you look at Joe Canning, David Burke and Conor Cooney, the three of them can play as badly again next Sunday, you'd have to think. It, it, the one thing I would say, you mentioned maybe that no one wants, wanted a draw there was an element maybe of Galway coasting since September. You know, they coasted through the league. I mean, the the round robin, sure, they played very well against Kilkenny and Salt Hill. But, you know, Kilkenny were tired. Then Wexford were tired when they played Wexford in, in Wexford Park. They, maybe this was the kick up the backside they needed. Yeah, and, you know, I, th- I think it's probably the first time since the Ireland last year that maybe Michal Dunham has to stand back a little bit too. He's, you know, very good manager, obviously, and, and uh, very well respected. But... You know, I'm look, maybe there's a little bit of complacency that the players think I'm on the team or whatever. And Brian Cody, you never know. Like, he, okay, his key men are going to be there, but they're there because they're all playing well in the lead. Like, Parik Walsh, that's the difference yesterday. Parik Walsh, Killian Buckley, TJ Reid, you know, they were all, on yeah. it, well, Walter mightn't have been as, but he had a good battle with, with David Dahi Burke. But, you know, I, I would think maybe there's an argument. Niall Burke came in yesterday, but he's been around. But some of these under 21s, I've seen him a couple of times this year now. Like, you know, Brian Concanon I thought was very good and he was left off he started against Offaly in the Championship Sean Loftus but there's other lads there as well and it might be time for maybe the bomb to be put under a couple of them that you know they're kind of coasting through matches and whatever um, so it'll be interesting to see is there a reaction is there changes made to the team um, but I agree with you in, in general I think that they needed a bit of a wake up call but the big thing we keep talking about every year is the only team that can come back over, over the last since Cork 5 and 6 is Kilkenny can come back year in year out every other team has won not earned they get it very hard the next year you know and the question marks over from Galway can they come out with a top performance next week is that hunger back there do they really want to win the other so there's question marks over them but I think that's good I think they have enough maturity experience in the team to handle that and I still don't think that like you know, whoever wins is fine they're, they're going on to a semi-final it'll be a good match for them because it's an extra matchup but whoever loses is going to be a long road back yeah yeah, very long road back. I mean, funny enough, David. Bur- I'm not advocating that David Burke be dropped, but he hasn't played well this year. You know, he hasn't really been the player that we expect uh, him to be. And we spoke before last year, actually, that he's the sort of guy when Goalie don't need him, he doesn't pl- he doesn't play well. When and when they need him, he comes through. Just you know, that might be difficult to keep going in. You know, over the course of an entire career, that you can turn it off and on. Like a tap, you know that when when the team needs me, I'll I'll play, and if if they don't need me, I can relax. That that sort of thing is kind of a dangerous game to be playing because like, he didn't play well yesterday, and you know had a vital wide laid on the second half as well. He it's, did. It was a bad wide. I I I know where you're coming from. I I don't know. I I think midfield was, was funny yesterday in general. I think yeah. if you look at the four midfielders, like Conor Fogarty, James Maher. Johnny Cut the word it was I think the win Mar was the best of them probably but Yeah, and Mar's playing very well, he's a very good young player. But but I think the long puckouts like from Skehel were in the second half were going way down into the full back line. So there was a lot of play there coming out then and the ball was being delivered. It it was it, normally Gall would play through that channel, right? So McInerney comes out, hand pass to Burke, fast ball, but Kilkenny were stopping that ball coming out they were tackling very aggressively they weren't allowing that sort of man into the channel so it was a funny sort of a game I, t- I, st- I still think David Burke probably did a bit of work on North. he picked up a good bit of breaking ball around the place but his attacking play is not what, what he wanted and he got to see him against Wexford around there he got very you know he was involved in a couple of incidents not to like him you know but like I suppose he's had a lot on his plate um, I remember Martin Hanneby saying to me after 94 uh, like Hanneby was our natural captain he didn't want it in 95 and Johnny yeah. P Johnny Pilkin came in as captain he said he couldn't stick it if we wanted to learn and go around everywhere with the cup and being asked to go and that can take its toll as well so um, look I think all those things are in the mix and Kilkenny are seem, they're the ones that have the experience of doing that that could keep doing it but for, for all these Galway players like it, they're it's new territory it's new know? territory yeah, and, it has been since September and, and it's challenging them to go and do what the Galway team very 7 you're, you're asking them you're trying to cajole them and explain to them something but if it's not deep inside you to do it it's hard to get it out What about Kilkenny then? Are, are there enough signs there particularly in the way they came back? You, you described the three scores that TJ Reid won in particular 
right at the end. You can kind of see the brain whirring. It's like he's got. Yeah. He, 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 going to pass it, and then going to pass, then he cuts yeah. back inside, and then he, the eyes are all lighting the, up underneath. Yeah, the all the yeah. percentages yeah. basically yeah. being mapped out in like you know point one of a second. A couple of like moves pass, of the feet, hit off the left, yeah. hit off the right. So yeah. they've got that. They've obviously you know they've got young players contributing now. Where, where are you with Kilkenny? Uh, you know. I I just it's more it's admiration I, I for Brian Cody for the for Kilkenny it's just what Kilkenny do you know and I I I was the one to say I, I didn't see them win in Ireland this year um I was probably one of the first people to said that and you know at the end it was a headline or whatever it was that won't win another Ireland under Cody that's not, but I thought this team because I didn't think they were ready but I think what he's done has been very subtle he has about ten or twelve of his starters but he's not really sure about the others so against Wexford he started Colin Fenley and Richie Hogan and left off. Martin Keown and mm. Donnelly and Richie Lahey and all them then he started some of them and didn't start Blanchfield Blanchfield had come on he didn't start the lads again and now all of a sudden he's created that competition that I'm talking about but it's not even competition it means that he has ammunition to come on you know out of having maybe a limited panel now all of a sudden you're seeing Richie Hogan Colin Fenley coming on yesterday Liam Blanchfield who's a huge man you know and you're tiring in a big match like that like so he tactically you know and and I do think there's been an evolution in the airplane like this off the shoulder that they came out in the second half against Wexford that was if you, you were at the match more from the very start yesterday they were flying out past the man with the ball so this is something now they've added just like they came up with it at half time in the Wexford match which yeah. they nearly did right yeah. So because they were pucking the ball away in the first half that day but there's I think and I'm only presuming this I think Ling and McGarry there are in the background as well and Cody has done that over the years like he had started off with with Noel Skehan and Jared Henderson, great Kilkenny men, and then he went on and got Martin Fogarty in and changed. And now he has the lads, and Mick Dempsey is there with him all the time. But he's willing to le- willing to change. A sign of a great manager. Like I don't know. I'm only surmising all this of what's going on. Mm. But the integration of those young players, where they might have seen Brian Cody, you know, he's getting on now as a dictator, or whatever. But now they all look very comfortable, and he's tested some of them. But you can see them getting confidence because they know where to fit into the into the setup. Okay, you mightn't start today, but you're still very important. And they've all kind of got minutes as well. You yes, know, like all of them have minutes in the championship, and that's you know as a result, they're weapons now that they can use. Yeah, like a Galway yeah, were a bit more goal. desperate. I thought like the threw in Johnny Lynn, poked a few high balls, and he caught them right, caught a couple of balls, nothing came off them. Jason Flynn comes in very late in the game, had a chance. He probably should have tapped it over the bar. Yeah. You know, so where the Galway bench last year was hugely influential, particularly up front. You had Burke Flynn, Johnny Glynn, whoever it was coming. So that just dynamic is not the same this year. And Kilkenny, as they do, have found a way to become very, very competitive. All right, the replay is next Sunday at 3pm in Thurless because Croke Park's unavailable. There's no controversy around this one, is there? Last time you announced a a, a venue in this show, there was a lot changed in 24 hours. There is is controversy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a Connacht team playing the Leinster team in the Munster venue in the Leinster final. You, you, yeah. you do think it's ridiculous, yeah? I don't think it's... I wouldn't say ridiculous. I think... I understand, again, why they made the decision, but they made it very quickly again. Yeah. Um, you know, it depends... You know where it's got to come down to? If there's 40,000 at it, it'll look like a great move. If yeah. there's 20,000 at it, why didn't you have it in Port Leash or yeah. in Tullamore? Uh, yeah, like the, yeah, the yeah. evening in Tullamore where the, when they played a few years ago was the best evening ever in Tullamore but you've only got 14 or 15 maybe, well, I'd say 17, 18,000 capacity. Yeah. It was all ticket. It was a fantastic occasion. But... Uh, to be fair, we don't be knocking the I, uh, you know, like the Kildare one last week. I'd very strong. I don't think it was money. I don't think it was anything. I just think it was total arrogance that we will tell. Kildare said we wanted it at home. It's our home match. Yeah, okay. Will you go to Tullamore Park Leash? No. Right. Fair enough. And then to send out the fixture to Crow Park, and this one was made very quickly. But if there's forty thousand at it, well, I don't think there will be. To be honest yeah. with you. Well, there might be. There might be thirty thousand. Might be 30. which would put it beyond Nolan Park. Beyond yeah. You know, Tullamore. I mean, the the one thing is. Uh, and we'll finish on this but like Waterford were told no, you can't have games in the Munster Championship in Leinster in Nolan Park so yeah, so, so, so there is contra- there is like there is a debate about. I don't yeah. think there's a, yeah. I think we're all controversy though as you said we don't want, I, we'll, I'm we'll, certainly not going to get into Twitter this yeah. week well we'll <laughs> see it seems maybe there's something rumbling there so we'll see what happens Michael Dyden great stuff thank you cheers lads modern day coaching what is it all about paralysis by analysis infiltrated by a load of spoofers and bluffers fellas with earpieces stuck in their ear psychologists Clyde Woodward statisticians dietitians and as Mick O'Connell alluded to God save us so much going on in this sporting summer that it's almost well, it's quite po- possible to overlook the fact that Wimbledon has just gotten underway my friend it started with a bit of a bang off court yeah so it's been a, a mad few weeks for Boris Becker, mm-hmm. his marriage has collapsed and he's been declared bankrupt with debts of fifty-four million pounds, apparently. So he appeared to have found a way out of paying those debts. You know. The the age old chestnut on. Yeah. 
It's the old claiming to be a diplomat for the Central African Republic <laughs> trick that Boris has gone for. However, a few weeks ago, the country's foreign minister called Becker's diplomatic passport a fake. And so on the first morning of Wimbledon, Boris was more than happy to explain to Sue Becker what his whole current, you know, yeah. situation is. Stay tuned for Martina Navratilova, <laughs> who clearly had not got the memo. Navratilova and Boris Becker, welcome to you both. Thank you. Boris, first of all, I know it's been a very difficult, tricky few weeks for you. You've been in the uh, papers. Yes. Uh, everyone's saying. So what is your association with the C- Central African Republic? Am I not always in the papers this time around? No. I was asked just quickly, um, I was asked by the ambassador of the Republic of Central Africa at the beginning of the year whether I want to get involved on a diplomatic level to help the country back on its feet as an attaché for sports, culture and humanitarian efforts. And I was honoured. I met the President, His Excellency uh, uh, Mr. Tuaderi, in Brussels and in Paris a number of times. They gave me official documentation, they gave me a passport, and so I started my course. Unfortunately, the Foreign Ministry made some, some comments about... The, 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 that it was false passport. That it was false yeah. passport. So I have the same questions because right. I'd like to help the country. And I was asked by the President, I was asked by the Ambassador, and I'm sure the President will find a solution very soon. Okay, you've sorted that out. Thank anyway, you. you we just wanted diplomatic immunity. Yes, from exactly. Everything. <laughs> Not wait in line exactly. at immigration. Yes, that's one of the things my friends told me. You bastard, you'll have to wait in line now. Well, what a Oops. diplomatic passport. Apologies for that. I didn't exactly. think you Oh, how do you top that? With how do you keep? How do you top that? Yeah, you got to save some of that good, good shit for uh, later in the week. That was Sue Sue Barker's opener at Wimbledon to Boris yeah. Becker. Yeah. What is your association with, with the, the Central African, African Republic, Republic, which ended with her apologising for <laughs> Boris turning the air blue uh, on BBC One at an ungodly early and an unseemly early hour? Anyway, he's he said last week that he's not bankrupt. He makes more money than ninety nine percent of the world has paid the money he owns. And he's a genuine diplomat with a passport to be And he took the role purely, purely on because of his passion for humanitarian affairs. He does sound passionate. That's, that's that. I, I foresee no further questions <laughs> relating to the Central African Republic being asked of Boris Becker during Wimbledon this year. Unless Sue gets her teeth into him once again. Mm. There's a lot of... See, there might be any rain delays. Boris is praying for no rain delays, so no God. more questions about this Tell topic. You, this, this weather breaks, and all of a sudden uh, we're going to go deep into yeah, Boris's portfolio. If you start uh, seeing the old Cliff Richard portfolio. footage pop up, you know there's rain, and you know that soon Boris is going to have to feel some dead air. Okay, that's pretty much it. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you on the World Cup podcast tomorrow to talk Brazil, Mexico, and Belgium, Japan. How is That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.